As you age, the fatigue and failing endurance you feel can't be fixed with more and more caffeine. So introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that can give you the energy that you need and are good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. Because Super Beats Heart Chews' unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promotes heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure, as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Now, for my listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com. Get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. That's danasbeats.com. danasbeats.com that we can sit here in the White House briefing room with no masks, but people can't sit in an airplane cabin with no masks. Well, Peter, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. That I'm aware of. If you're a doctor, I wasn't aware of that today until today. Okay, not a doctor. Just making sure. I don't know. Um, and nor does he play one on TV. There you go. Most days. Um, but these determinations, remember the masking guidance is there are is green, yellow, and red. We are currently in a green zone in Washington, D.C., so they're not recommending it. Some people so can still wear a mask if they want to. Many people do, or wear them in meetings, or wear them at certain times where you're going to be around or sitting close to people, or maybe you have an immunocompromised parent or, or friend, and so people make that decision. And there's, this is based on health considerations and data that the CDC looks at about transmissibility as, as we've seen an increase in cases on, on airplanes. This is garbage. Where's the increase in cases on airplanes? Did you notice how she just kind of threw that out there? Did anyone follow up on that? Where is this? Well, yes, the um, increase on the airplanes. Where is the increase on the... I haven't seen anything like that, and I watch it quite religiously. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I am your hostess, Dana Lash. I'm here to chew gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of gum. (laughs) We're already already starting with that today. If you guys, sometimes every now and then, I go on uh, Instagram and I'll find like whatever meme best fits me that day. And so today, it's uh, Frosted Tips. Uh, what's his face? The guy, Food Network, Frosted Tips. Thank you. Everything fried, pouring gas on a fire. It's me today. So, hey, we've got a lot to, to, to hit on, particularly the mask situation, because the left is infuriated over this. And the far left, you're really seeing a major gap between who is on just like the basic left and then who is kind of nuts. You're seeing like a major, major difference in that, I think. No, I think that's fair to say because I, I don't really think that normal average everyday people on the left are excited. They're, I don't think that they're, they're bemoaning or lamenting the loss of being forced to wear a mask. So we're going to talk about that. I also have some garbage media to get into. Garbage media. I've been hot on this. This has enraged me. That's putting it lightly. So where should we start with? What should we start with, O'Kane? What do you think? I'm going to throw it out to Kane. So if like it takes it, it goes sideways, it's on him. Well, the mask mandate thing, I think, has legs, so we can kind of wait on that. So I think okay. the garbage reporting thing. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. Okay, so let me, let me introduce you to this garbage reporter. 
Um, it it's like Claire's Boutique and the later editions of Real World MTV had a baby, right? <laughs> You're laughing. It's true though. I, she's like 38 or uh, 37 or 38 years old. Her name's Taylor Lorenz. And she's a somehow a writer at the Washington Post. Now, I want to introduce you to this reporter because this reporter pulled sh- some shenanigans on a Twitter account that I enjoyed thoroughly. And the Twitter account is called Libs of TikTok. And I know you guys are familiar with this account. How many of you are familiar with Libs of TikTok? You all are. All libs of TikTok does. It is a Twitter account. Literally all they do. The only thing the account does is aggregate existing videos that leftists post of themselves. So leftists record themselves. They post the videos on TikTok. And then all libs of TikTok does as to their name, is take the libs off the TikTok, off of TikTok, and put it on the Twitters. That's all they do. They literally repost existing video that was voluntarily and publicly posted. That's all they do. And so this account, I don't know how long this account's been out. I really don't know. But... The account has gotten a lot of followers and all this stuff, and I follow them, they follow me. I look forward to seeing what they do, et cetera, et cetera. And so they have been gaining a lot of ground because a lot of the videos that they've been posting lately have been of people on the left who are posting videos of them being completely upset about talking to your kids about hardcore graphic sex. Right? They... They uh, are. They act like their kindergarten classroom is an OnlyFans. Essentially, I don't know how else to put it. Right? It's like you know, stop OnlyFansing our elementary schools. Okay, thanks. Bye. That's so they've been, and I'm not exaggerating. Kane, tell the tell the people I'm not exaggerating. You're not exaggerating. That's exactly what happened. It's exactly what's happening. I mean, time and time again, daily. Right. So in Florida, as you will may well remember, in Florida they passed. A law recently. And what was the law? Burn gays at the stake? No, wait, it wasn't called that. It wasn't called never ever be gay in Florida again. It wasn't called that. It wasn't called, uh, I mean, really, the only thing with the law, it was called parental rights in education. Just to recap. And the law was like three pages. And it actually didn't forbid educators from talking to K through 5th grade because literally that's where we're targeting here. K through 5th grade it didn't ban educators from taking an educational stance on sexual reproduction with K through 5. All the law says is that hi, the parents they need to be aware and they need to consent, acknowledge They need to have knowledge of this and they need to consent. But see, consent doesn't matter to the left anymore. Consent is something they only pretend to care about when they want to get the women's vote. Consent is situational to the left. Because when it comes to your kids, 
they neither want nor need your consent. If your child's first grade teacher wants to talk about his Brokeback Mountain weekend with your kids, I don't care what he does in the privacy of his own home. I kind of want my kids to be able to add first, right? There's just, you know, as a parent, I want to make sure that my kid can do basic education before we start introducing them to progressive theories that are not science. And it's my kid. And all the people who are like, parents don't have a right in the classroom. I didn't see you putting cocoa butter on my stretch marks, bro. I, you weren't there when I had an episiotomy. You weren't there when I was eight months pregnant and I had a large man child sitting on my bladder. So maybe STFU. Because I was the one who carried my child and raised my child. Some of these other parents don't recall you being there making sure that their child's fever went down when they were up at one in the morning. Some of those parents don't recall your presence being there with their children when they were worried about them making friends on their first day of school. So maybe shut up. Some of these teachers that have been posting these videos on TikTok, they weren't there in the hospital with the mom and dad while they were waiting to get a prognosis from the child's doctor. So maybe shut up. All libs of TikTok did was curate videos. And by curate, I mean literally just repost videos from TikTok. So now let's go back to the love child of the later editions of MTV Real World, the ones that sucked, and Claire's Boutique. Thirty, late, She's in her late 30s, 37, 38-year-old Taylor Lorenz. Why do I mention age? Because I think it's important. The first time we met Ms. Lorenz, she was exploiting uh, the uh, child of uh, Claudia Conway. George and... And uh, Conway and and uh, Kelly and Conway's daughter, 15 years old. She was 15 years old and she got mad at mom and dad because they wanted her to follow rules. And so she went and tried to blast them on where? TikTok. So what did Taylor Lorenz do? Late 30s, Taylor Lorenz, who is the type of chick to take forever 21, literally, decides that she's going to exploit Kelly and Conway's daughter. And use it to get at Kelly and Conway because Kelly and Conway worked for Trump. And George Conway disagrees with his wife's politics. And so the progressive left lo- loves nothing more than to not just divide nation, but divide families. So they exploited, she exploited Claudia. She kept reaching out to her, trying to get quotes for articles. She was writing articles about her, exploiting it. George Conway was asking reporters, including Ms. Lorenz, repeatedly to stop contacting his underage minor child. But our literal Forever 21 aficionado didn't care because, see, consent and knowledge of the parent is irrelevant. So that's how we first met Ms. Lorenz, which brings us to Libs of TikTok. Taylor Lorenz decided to do a hit piece for the Jeff Bezos oligarch-owned Washington Post. Because if there's one thing that we've learned in the United States is that the free press is no longer an actual free press. They're Pravda. They're propagandists. Very rarely do you meet people at publications that are not. I know of one person at Washington Post 
And I was very hesitant at first, but they did a profile. I mean, he was very good. He was very honest and very transparent. He's an exception. Not everybody is. And for some reason, Washington Post decided to publish this piece. Now, let me tell you what was in this piece. First off, there was a dude on social media that decided to dox libs of TikTok. Do you guys know what libs of TikTok or uh, doxing means? Doxing means you take private information and you make it public on social media. And by the way, it doesn't matter if the private information is public information, like someone's address, phone number or whatever, you know, on in the real world, putting it out on social media as a petty, vengeful move, that's doxing. And that's exactly what happened here. The Washington Post article linked to the name and real estate license of the proprietor of the account Libs of TikTok. And it included her phone number and her address. Why did Washington Post link to it instead of having the balls to publish it themselves? Because they didn't have the balls to publish it themselves. They also wanted to keep a little bit of plausible deniability. But they made sure to blatantly link it in the piece. Lorenz uh, takes all of this doxed information that somebody else did online because they didn't like libs of TikTok, and she repurposed it for her own piece, and then she cited Media Matters a bunch of times. Now, if you're uh, unfamiliar with who Media Matters is, uh, it is the lotion brigade for George Soros. That's all you need to know. I was going to add something to it, but I figured I've already dumped a lot of gas on this fire since the beginning of this morning. So I'm going to hold off for now, but I reserve my right to revisit that. So that is what happened. This piece ran and it blasted this private account proprietor, her name, her address, her real estate license, like everything about her. Then Taylor Lorenz started going to her family's homes, her family members' homes. They took pictures of her on their doorstep. So I have more on this because this is who the media is. They will deem you to be a threat and use that to justify their harassment of you. It's big press. We're going to talk more about this coming up. Also, I don't know what I saw yesterday with all the videos of Biden and the Easter Bunny, but apparently the Easter Bunny is now an official presidential corraler. We're going to discuss that and how Beto O'Rourke has now taken officially three different positions on Title 42. Kane, I had a joke. I was going to say that's three more positions than you took in the bedroom. But I didn't because I didn't say that. I still <laughs> reserve the right to say it. So, just saying. We We're break. Yeah, so we got we got to Kane's desperately when I know we got to go to break. Steve's like Dana, shut up. All right, let's go to break. Let's pay some bills cuz I got a ton more for you. I told you I was in a mood today. There's nothing like seeing your yard come to life in the spring. There's just one catch. Uh, you need plants first. And we all know what a hassle that can be. Now FastGrowingTrees.com has you covered. FastGrowingTrees.com is the world's largest online nursery with expertise, care, and selection that you won't find anywhere else. Whether you're looking for that one perfect plant or ready to design your whole landscape, FastGrowingTrees.com has the expertise to make it easy. One of the highlights is there's no waiting in lines or messy cars from hauling your plants all over town. They make it so easy. You can order online or just by phone and your plants are shipped right to your door in one to two days. Their growing and care advice is available 24-7 and another personal favorite is their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee so you can trust everything is going to be healthy for years to come. FastGrowingTrees.com is my first stop for spring planting so visit FastGrowingTrees.com slash Dana right now and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com slash Dana. Grow your dream yard with FastGrowingTrees.com slash Dana. 
And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So Elon Musk says Twitter's board will be paid nothing, nada, zip, if he owns it. Oh my gosh, is it my birthday and Christmas? I just, it just keeps getting amazing. He said that the Twitter's that Twitter's board of directors would not see, receive compensation for serving if he were to take over the social media company. He literally tweeted, quote, board salary will be $0 if my bid succeeds. So that's $3 million a year saved right there. That's true. I didn't realize that that's like collected. That's like $3 million that they would that they would be saving for the board. Man, we got to get on some of these boards, dude. Like we're, we're doing it wrong. We are doing it incorrectly. Jiminy. All right. So also, who additionally, uh, Kansas governor shuts down two GOP bills, one on men participating in women's sports and the other, which allowed parents to know about and consent to what their children are being taught in school. That governor is Laura Kelly. She doesn't believe that parents have rights in their children's classrooms. And she also apparently is entirely supportive of men who identify as women completely taking over girls' sports. Laura Kelly, everybody. Laura Kelly, yeah, with her mo haircut. I feel like I can. You know what? F-A-F-O. And I will call out your haircut because I don't know. I just That's as nice as I can get right now. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, let's see. A... Oh, my gosh. Where to even start? I have so many mask headlines. First off, uh, in uh, New York City, the mayor's moving ahead on metal detectors in the subway system, which I already thought that they had them in there, to be honest, but I guess not. Yeah, stick with us. We got so much coming. In 2021, there were more than 3 million new gun owners in the United States, and now around 42% of all households in the United States have a firearm. People support the Second Amendment. For firearm enthusiasts, suppressors are a good idea when practicing at the range, indoors or outdoors. I mean, a suppressor doesn't silence your firearm, but it does help to protect your hearing, and even more so for those who like to spend a lot of time training with their firearms. My friends at Silencer Shop are the industry leader for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company, and their customer reviews are awesome. So if you're new to shooting suppress, I want you to know that Silencer Shop has made the NFA process easy. Details are online at silencershop.com with free shipping and no transfer fees. And their suppressors start at just $365. Search Silencer Shop on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube and spend more time at the range protected with a suppressor that's right for you. See their variety and how to get yours through silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I, I want to belabor this only because we've heard from the airlines, from airport passengers, there may be people sitting at an airport bar watching right now wondering, <laughs> if they're boarding a flight tonight, is the mask mandate still in place? We're continuing to recommend people wear masks. I don't have any update. This just came out through the courts just this afternoon. And as soon as there is an update, uh, we will provide that. So, uh... That's Jen Saki. Welcome back, you maskless people. Get to see your beautiful faces again if we're in an airport. It's uh, your lovable little hostess, the living Daria, Dana Lash. So uh, I think everybody everybody came out. I don't know where American is. Like Delta hated the mask thing. Southwest, all the airlines are like, yeah, that's we're uh, we're not doing the masks. I haven't heard from American. Listen to this. Uh, this is audio soundbite. It's one of the soundbites. It's like 5,040 something. Audio soundbite 3,000. 
This, these are people on Delta as the crew announced that masks were optional. This was just yesterday. Listen. On our Delta hub, it says masks now optional for employees, customers, following the White House. I'm so excited for them. Oh, how annoying it is to wear a mask <laughs> on, a fl- on a plane. <gasps> Kane. Does this mean that, you know, the drinkage is expanding oh. onto planes? Yeah. Asking for a few million friends here. Yeah. Just, you know, some of us want to know. Just wondering. Because remember, they did away with all that, wasn't it, because of the mask stuff? Yeah. I mean, the masks were definitely a big part of it. Who was the listener that emailed and was like, you know how I get around the mask thing? I literally let a fry hang out of my mouth. Who was that? They said they took two hours to eat a box of fries. I was dying because that was totally going to be my plan. I was going to when I'm finally going on a vacation vacation this summer. It'll be like my first time in three years. And I'm going to go pretend to be a legit pirate. And I'm not like not, you know, on the not on the Horn of Africa type where I'm going to be commandeering giant freighters. But I mean, just, you know, in the shallows somewhere. I'm going to be fishing and living the good shanty life. But I was thinking, I ain't going to be wearing no mask on this flight because this is a crazy... I'm not going to be wearing no mask on this flight. So I was going to do the fry thing. And (laughs) it was like I got down to my last fry and I held it there forever and I was dying. I was dying reading this guy's email. Oh my gosh. All right. So everybody's pretty stoked about the mask thing. And I'm happy about it. Although the left isn't. Who was this guy? I, I don't have any... He just seems like a total grump. Paul Krugman. Krugman. He's over at New York Times. This is what he legit tweeted this morning. <laughs> I hate it that this is the first tweet I saw. Second was the libs of TikTok thing, which we're going to get more to. He tweets, A prediction about masking. Soon will be seen many incidents in which those who chose to protect themselves with KN95s, etc. face harassment, even violence, because this was never about freedom. Listen, you sentient turd. No one's going to do anything to somebody wearing a mask. I don't care if you wear a mask. I see people wearing masks all the time. I don't care if they wear masks. Just like you should not care if I don't wear a mask. You're wearing your mask, so you should be protected from my bare maskless face. It doesn't matter. It's like, well, my seatbelt's not going to work unless you're wearing your seatbelt in your car. Shut up. It's not how it works. It doesn't work at all. I mean, it's just a Linus blanket. That's all it is. Let's be real. Nobody's going to say anything about if somebody else chooses to wear a mask because we don't care. Do what you want to do. If you want to wear a mask, if somebody, if I was like, say I was in a Target, okay, and I had to go get some essentials, right? Because that's the only reason I would go there. You know, I'm walking past all the um, Joanna Gaines stuff and the Threshold stuff and all the desert plants that everybody has in their house because now it's succulent trend. And I'm just going to get, you know, like cotton balls, deodorant, you know, razors, basic stuff. And if I saw somebody, say I was in the lady aisle, and say I saw somebody wearing a face mask, and then say I also saw somebody trying to give some shade to the person wearing a face mask, I'd say something to the person throwing shade. I don't like bullying. I like to be the bully crusher. So I would say something in that regard. Just like vice versa. Nobody cares, Paul Krugman. Nobody cares. Just go write your inconsequential columns. Nobody cares. Age into dust. We don't care. 
All right, so I want to get back to this libs of TikTok thing because I set it up. I feel like you got a really basic understanding of the uh, Taylor Forever 21 is literal Lorenz, right? So she went after the account libs of TikTok in the Washington Post this morning. She legit went to the account proprietor's home or the, the family member's homes. If you're watching the simulcast of our nationally syndicated radio show, heard coast to coast in hundreds of markets with 10 million plus listeners a day, then, and you're watching the simulcast of this on the first, that's Taylor Lorenz outside of one of the homes of one of Libs of TikTok's family members with her mask on outside. Jeez. Not gonna, I'm not going to, you know, well, because it's her, so you get a pass. You can actually make fun of her. So she went, targeted the family, was targeting their family members. The Washington Post, they linked to Libs of TikTok's name, real estate license, and address, a backdoor way of publishing it themselves while actually lacking the courage to actually publish it themselves. And it shows, by the way, that they did that. It shows an awareness that they knew that what they were doing was garbage. Now, as I was writing this this morning for my Substack newsletter, this piece went out this morning, that the Washington Post removed it without acknowledgement. They removed that link without acknowledgement or apology. But they only did it after the wave of backlash for linking to it in the first place. But the damage is already done, right? The damage is already done. So it's in, it's very ironic because uh, Taylor Lorenz just literally last month did an interview where she bawled on camera because she's so traumatized because people criticize her work. Like, oh my gosh, listen to this. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy Thank your you. life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. Lives of TikTok, I'm going to come to your family's homes. And now people are criticizing her. And she's like, but this is journalism! <laughs> I'm unmoved, Kane. Yet I am unmoved. That's horrible acting. Like putting the hands up. To, it's just horrible acting. I just can't. I grew up in a family with some ridiculously dramatic people. I know bad actors when I see it. That's a bad actor. It's, it's bad. Maybe, maybe then don't do it to other people. See, Lorenz and the editorial staff at WAPO apparently found Libs of TikTok. Libs of TikTok just posted the videos. They apparently found that so objectionable that they decided to, to target that account. All, they, they're mad. They're actually blaming large, right-leaning social media accounts for noticing and amplifying the videos that Lorenz's ideology, the people on her side that they post. The left really tries hard to hide their crazy. And what this is, is somebody uncovered the crazy. And now they're like, oh, oh my gosh. And also note how situational the left is of investigative reporting. What would what would Taylor Lorenz have done if James O'Keefe and Project Veritas found her important enough to show up on her porch? Oh, my God, they find the littlest bit of information. It's horrifying. She's not a journalist. Journalists don't exploit, like I said, distraught teenagers like Claudia Conway for clout. Grown women in their late 30s don't call 15-year-olds their mutuals. 
and ignore the child's dad when he repeatedly tells reporters like Lorenz to stop trying to contact and exploit his daughter. Journalists don't target Twitter accounts that simply curate videos that already exist on the Internet. Did I read her piece. It's behind a paywall. I have a mind to just copy and paste the whole damn thing and put it up on Substack so they don't get any traffic for it. Uh, but it's really not even great writing. She just relied on t- this other dude doxed libs of TikTok and she just took that work and appropriated it as her own. I mean, imagine that's your job. You're sitting on your ass like ripping stuff off Twitter and that's, you know, I'm a journalist. Like Ralph on the Simpsons. Uh, Simpsons. I'm helping. The account doesn't break news. It doesn't craft policy. It doesn't. It just features videos that leftists willingly post of themselves. It's not a wire service. She actually said it was a wire service in her piece. I just, I laughed. I, I literally LOL'd. That was a time when I wasn't lying. I LOL'd. But, you know, apparently, I guess it's not easy to instruct your fellow lefties to not make complete butts of themselves online. So she chose to try to toxify libs of TikTok. The problem is that this chick is a perennial victim of her own actions. She legit is. She can use her platform in one of the largest and most influential newspapers in the country to smear people she opposes. But if the average citizen pushes back, then she's somehow traumatized. I see this from the big press all the time. They will use their power as press to go after and target people like the elderly woman in Florida that they doxed. Or like, do you remember the dude who made the Trump gif? Of him, of Trump uh, slamming the CNN logo, and they and they doxed him for this. They doxed this guy, try to ruin his life. No, they can come after you, but oh my gosh, if citizens push back, don't be gaslit into thinking that your absolute justifiable criticism of of reporting that is published in a newspaper owned by an oligarch is unwarranted it's your duty as a citizen to hold both your government and your press to account since lately they're really one and the same does this mean they love project veritas now since they love investigative journalism is it really investigative journalism when you just take somebody else's work on twitter and you write a story about it no. i'm a journalism mm. <laughs> no this isn't they this is what the press does they try to ruin people's lives because they don't like your politics. And then they act shocked and they sit here and scream about freedom of the press if anybody dares push back. The people who have undermined the sanctity of the free press the most is the press itself. I wrote this morning, I said, if the entirety of the press isn't united in condemning Lorenz and what she did, they deserve to share in the condemnation. Frankenstein must account for the actions of his monster. We have more to come. Uh, and we got a uh, little history today. So we'll talk about that as well. We got some GOP stuff to crime. Why is it that the South Carolina mall shooter is out on bail with an ankle bracelet, but people who were arrested for trespassing on unlawful parading at the Capitol are still in jail? I've got, I'm made of questions. So I got that for you as well. We'll get into all of that. Uh, plus, we have my friend Carol Roth to talk about Twitters and what Elon Musk is going to do, what his options are. Small business owners, have you ever stressed about navigating through HR compliance? Have you ever been confused on how to handle a situation with an employee or wanted to implement a better company culture? The bad news is that one complaint against your company can turn your world upside down. The good news is that Bambi is an HR platform for small business owners to implement good HR practices. Built for businesses like yours, Bambi's HR Autopilot 
automates your core policies, your workplace training, and your employee feedback. And then your U.S.-based dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance. Available by phone, email, or real-time chat. An in-house HR manager can cost up to $80,000 a year. But with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month. No hidden fees. Cancel anytime. Visit Bambi.com slash Dana Show today for your free HR audit. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Dana Show. That's Bambi.com slash Dana Show. You run your business. Let Bambi run your HR. Bambi.com slash Dana Show. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. Little Jimmy Cliff for you. Since we're getting close, I'm just saying, just great, great song too. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. On this day in history, beginning as the sun rose, the first battle of the American Revolution began, the War of Independence. And it is when the British marched into Lexington and Concord. It was the first gun grab in American history. First attempted gun grab in American history. They wanted to seize weapons from the colonists. There were privately owned cannons, you know, contrary to what Joe Biden wants to tell you. And they wanted to stamp out the ever-growing unrest. But the colonists had a very clever alarm system. And I told you yesterday, Paul Revere and William Dawes went to go and warn Hancock and Adams because they were on the list to be arrested. And so... The first battle began today, April 19th, 1775. And there was this shot heard round the world. Very, it's pretty amazing because when the Redcoats approached the bridge there in Lexington and Concord, the Minutemen and all the additional militias, they were there and they were waiting and they were ready. You know, as the British were marching back to Boston, they had all kinds of militiamen in the, in the woods taking shots at them too. F-A-F-O. That's what happens. And so, this, um, they, had to, they, they ran back to Boston so they could get back to the cover of their uh, gunships. So, that's how it began on this day. All those years ago, the shot heard around the world. Pretty amazing. About 5 a.m. And what one of the, I think it was what, about like 70, the one of the militia companies that was led by uh, Captain John Parker, I think there was like 70 men. I mean, obviously they were, they were, the asymmetric warfare and rifling ended up winning that war for the colonists and just resolve. Amazing. Amazing what happened. Amazing the times that we're in now. So what I got coming up for you in our second hour, Hispanic voters are abandoning Democrats in droves. Well, it's obvious. Can anybody blame them? We got some wokery for you, but we also have some questions as it relates to law and order. That mall shooter in, uh, was it South Carolina? North Carolina. South Carolina, I think, is out on bail with an ankle bracelet. But we got people who were arrested for trespass, even though like the Capitol Police were waving them in. And uh, unlawful parading. 
that are still in jail. Here's my other question, too. All of the people who were waved into the Capitol that ended up being uh, detained for trespass, how is it that one guy is already exonerated because he was invited in by Capitol Police and yet that same, because that happened with a ton of people. I've got questions on that. And we're going to talk to my friend and author and economic expert, Carol Roth. She's uh, a recovering investment banker. She's one of my favorite ladies out there. And we're going to talk to her about what Elon Musk's options are as it relates to Twitter. And we're also going to get into tax day or government theft day as well. A lot of stuff to discuss with her. You don't want to miss. It's a fun convo. We got a lot coming at you. And of course, the fallout continuing from big media's latest attack on a private citizen. All that and more coming up right at the top of this oncoming hour. Stay with us. As you age, the fatigue and failing endurance you feel can't be fixed with more and more caffeine. So introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that can give you the energy that you need and are good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. Because Super Beats Heart Chews' unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promotes heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure, as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Now for my listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com. Get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. That's danasbeats.com. danasbeats.com. Question about uh, something that happened a few months ago down at the border. We've been told that the mounted border patrol officers, the president accused of whipping migrants, have been notified they will not face criminal charges. So, when is the president going to apologize to them? There is a process and an investigation that's gone through the Department of Homeland Security. I don't have any update on that. The president said that they were whipping people, which would be a criminal offense, and they've been told they're not going to be criminally charged. And there was an investigation into that, and I'll let the Department of Homeland Security announce any conclusion of that investigation. You accuse these officers of brutal and inappropriate measures now that they've been told they will not be criminally charged. Will you apologize? And, Peter, there was an investigation into their behavior. So that investigation is playing out. Whenever it's uh, going to be announced, the Department of Homeland Security Mm -hmm. will announce it. Will you apologize, though, because you... You, that's not the that's not the question. The question was, are you going to apologize for lying about them? Because you lied, you liar. Welcome back to the show. It's Dana Lash here. Hey, your lovable Daria here with you this Tuesday, second hour of our broadcast, joining us at the bottom of the hour. My friend Carol Roth to go over the poison pill and the fight between Musk and Twitter. And Jack Dorsey apparently is in uh, DGAF mode right now. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. And that's going to affect you. It's it's totally going to affect you regardless whether you are um, on Twitter or not. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All right. So this uh, situation at the border. It's, it's, we're not even in May yet. It's going to just. Yeah, we're not even in May. Audio soundbite six. Greg Abbott, because he's been sending people to D.C., he is apparently scouting a, another location. Listen to this. We're, we're going to load him up and send him to Washington, D.C. If we run out of room there, Delaware looks like a great location. It is. Hmm. We've asked him to come on. 
the show. I feel like I'm going to have to now get... I have to be bratty on Twitter before... And then when I'm a brat on Twitter, like, immediately. Kane, how does it work? Pretty much within an hour or two. Yeah. So, we'll see. But... Yeah. So, I... um. I think Delaware sounds like a great place, too. Mm -hmm. Delaware, um, Martha's Vineyard. I hear Martha's Vineyard's beautiful this time of year. Maybe they should, that's a great consideration. Just saying, great consideration. Now, this, I have a couple of things here to hit, including, we got this, audio soundbite of governor ron DeSantis because ron DeSantis said don't we don't we're not going to have anybody in florida and speaking of governor DeSantis, he was really um well i'm gonna let let you hear him because he said that now apparently florida is looking at the twitter twitter's boards uh, uh their i guess fiscal irresponsibility as it relates to their board and shareholders listen the state of Florida and our pension system, we have shares of Twitter. Uh, I didn't buy it. We have people that run the fund. But nevertheless, it hasn't exactly been great in returns on investment. It's been pretty stagnant for many, many years. Uh, so, But nevertheless, I mean, to me, I think that that's probably an injury to the fund. So we're going to be looking at ways that the state of Florida potentially can be holding these Twitter board of directors accountable for breaching their fiduciary duties. Mm. There you go. Breaching their fiduciary duty. And he also, DeSantis is also going to uh, eliminate the carve out. It's what he's moving to do that Disney gets the whole self-governing thing. They That allows, he's apparently um, going to look at that. Because they're allowed to build whatever on their own. Wasn't that how it is? I didn't know that. Is that why they can build a castle on their property and I probably couldn't? I mean, I mean, even though I'm in Texas, I'm just, you know, not that I would, but I'm just, you know, just suggesting, just saying. Mm-mm-mm. So, mm. but I'm, I'm excited to watch that. Super excited to watch that. Woo-hoo. We've been telling you as it relates to tech, we've been telling you about big media and what the Washington Post did and the whole libs of TikTok account. If you signed up for my newsletter over at Substack, you already got the lowdown. I sent that out earlier before the radio program. Um, I've never thought I would see someone say, essentially, don't post these videos that that the left already posted. Don't repost them. That's what this is. I have criticized big press and mainstream media for, I don't even know how long now. Back in 2002, I had a, I don't know how you want to describe it. It was a website that I did myself that was kind of a an, was a zine but online and I had contributors and all kinds of stuff and I started it because I, I started it because I hated the press I hated the press as they reported on culture and I hated the press as they reported on politics and originally I didn't use my name and then later on I did and then I started writing pieces for the daily newspaper and then I went to radio and now here we are and I have never disliked the press I think as much as I do now, especially that they've developed this, I don't know how to, I don't know what to call it. It's like a guillotine practice. It's this vengeful, uh, I guess, code of vengeful policy that they have of going after people whose politics they dislike 
and trying to use really crazy excuses to justify it. Like the libs of TikTok account, just a private account. This makes people scared to even have private accounts. It makes people, that's the whole point. The whole point is a chilling effect. That's the whole, the whole entire point of it. Like how CNN docks the elderly woman who simply ran a Trump fan Facebook page, a Facebook group. And, and just because it was, it was successful and it had a lot of members, they felt that she was a threat. And so they showed up at her house and broadcast her, her address all over cable news. Or like the guy who made the gif of Trump body slamming a CNN logo. Apparently, big press felt the need to dox that guy. Find out everything about him. He drives a forklift. Try to, they try to go after him and ruin his life. It's oppo that, is, that masquerades as quote-unquote journalism. And newsrooms... By way of hiring, and this is why I th- I'm always uncomfortable with the relationship that, that campaigns have with newsrooms and uh, networks. Like George Stephanopoulos, he was a Clinton comms guy. All these people end up going you know, to these, to these networks. And it transforms these newsrooms into those, op- I mean, political oppo. Warehouses, focus groups, shops, however you want to talk about it. And they they end up engaging and trafficking in opposition research, not journalism. They don't do stories to uncover stuff for the people. They do stories on the people to protect those in power. That's what they've transformed into. And if there's any attempt to hold them accountable, they react by claiming that the people holding them to a basic standard that they're the ones who are somehow undermining and endangering the sanctity of a free press when it's these people who have disrespected their very purpose and have undermined the sanctity of a free press with their propagandist partisan political actions. I asked earlier, I had this one guy, his name's Nicholas Dawes. He's uh, some journalist in, in, uh, New, in New York. And I had asked because he said, he goes, he said this. Now, I will say before I read his tweet, I want you to consider his tweet in the context of James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, to whom this would never be applicable where it concerns the left. Nicholas Dawes tweeted, quote, investigative journalism is still investigative journalism when its subjects are extremely online and same considerations of public interest and privacy apply even if potential harms differ. This Taylor Lorenz piece more than meets the ethical bar. So I quote quoted him and I said, so we can show up to your house and ask questions. Your family members' houses too? Cool. I didn't ask that question, actually. It was rhetorical. Is that, those are the new rules, right? We can just show up to your house? Who watches The Watchmen? The reason that we're in this horrible, divisive mess is because the press helped create this. The reason that people have this, this weird, bizarre look at, like, for instance, Law and Order is because the press has created this. The press creates these narratives and uses them to divide. And you have people freak out over Elon Musk purchasing Twitter, but they were silent 
with Ted Turner and CNN. They were silent with Jeff Bezos and Washington Post. They were silent at the oligarchs that own The Atlantic or Time Magazine. I could go on and on. Speaking of CNN, it's not doing so well. CNN Plus, <laughs> Warner Brothers and Discovery, I guess they, they're, 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 they had their, their business relationship. They said that they suspended all external marketing. For CNN Plus, they laid off CNN's longtime CFO. They're trying to figure out what to do moving forward. Do you know why people don't like CNN Plus? Because they get the, the what's the saying? Why buy a cow when you get the milk for free? Why buy a cow when you get the manure for free on CNN regular every day? You know what gets me? I'm going to tell you a fun story. So in that, um, that Washington Post, Taylor Lorenz piece, she cited Media Matters repeatedly. Media Matters is legitimately a George Soros-funded operation. It's through the Tides Foundation. Uh, they don't accept advertising, and they hire uh, propagandists. And every single person has, like, their own th- – th- there's a re- there's somebody there who ha- has them as a beat. I had a guy whose who's job was to follow me all over the country and write stories uh, about the stuff that I did. Joe Strupp. I, I actually got along with him. I asked him, why won't your employer let you union, unionize? I, I thought you all like unions and stuff. I mean, you know, we would I'd rib him, but we got along. It was cordial. But that's what his job was at Media Matters. He ended up leaving. But Media Matters is a propagandist outfit. And a lot of people think that they're a joke, but a lot of people in newsrooms are lazy. When I was a contributor at CNN, I can attest that the executives at CNN, they wake up in the morning and they took a dump and they read Media Matters. Those are the two things that they did every morning. People on the left, they rely, they're lazy, they don't want to do their own work. And people at Media Matters know this, and so they would take advantage of it, and they would write whatever they wanted to write. They would write the craziest stuff about people, things that weren't even true, weren't even verified, and it would run, and um, all these networks, they read it and they rely on it. It's ridiculous. They don't, nobody even verifies it. I know that for a fact, because I had conversations with higher-ups about it. Fun fact, huh? And, and apparently they, in, in this piece, not apparently, they were cited like several different times in this Washington Post piece. No one in editorial said this is bad resourcing. No one said that this is bad research. You can't just like reappropriate what you're reading on Twitter and then go to Media Matters and use that to like somehow substantiate. That does, this does not work. I think that Media Matters is probably less credible in a court of law than Wikipedia, which is kind of a joke because Wikipedia already isn't allowed as evidence. It doesn't meet the evidentiary standard. It's garbage. But that's media matters also. Hmm. That's how this works. Big press. Big press is a big threat. We got more to get into, including headlines on the way. My friend Carol Roth will join us to talk about some of the tech stuff. I'm telling you, Jack Dorsey, it's very interesting, his tweets. We'll discuss that too. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast. 
and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Kane, I feel like we're kind of in... Sometimes I'm like, are we in the wrong business? Here's why I asked this. Y'all remember that girl who was on Dr. Phil because she was sassing her mama? And, yeah, and she started yelling at the audience, and she said, yeah, catch me outside, how about now? And Dr. Phil's like, I'm Laura, what did you say? And he's like, catch me outside. (laughs) Well, she turned into, I don't know, a digital thing, and... She her stage name is now Bad Baby B H A D B H A B I E, and she just paid cash money for a six million dollar Florida mansion. Where's the asteroid? Where is it? This is our horrible. Quit making stupid people famous. She's gonna probably end up losing all cash deals. She'll probably end up losing it. Like who knows? Good heavens. So apparently GE has called a number of six different types of refrigerators that have caused 37 injuries. Jeez, 37 injuries so far. Yeah, it's the U.S. Product Safety Commission. They announced last week that GE is recalling six types of its stainless steel fridges. And they said that they're scheduling free in-home repairs. How are people getting themselves hurt with it? I don't know. It doesn't actually say. They said it had to be done, but the manufacturer between February 2020 and August 2021. Oh, my gosh. Like, how hard are you opening that door? I'm just asking. A big, giant, fat gorilla, according to the British publication Daily Star, is apparently addicted to smartphones. And the zookeepers are saying that the chunky little... He just has curves. That the curvy lowland gorilla has been watching too many YouTube videos and zookeepers are worried that he's going to get bullied by other primates. So they have a buffer zone to stop people showing him selfies. It's a real thing. It's in Chicago's Lincoln Park. It's from a British publication. It's in Chicago's Lincoln Park. It's it's a mare, the eastern lowland gorilla. He's curvy. He's uh, fixated on taking selfies and watching YouTube videos. This cannot be real because this is such a statement on current culture. I can't even deal right now. This story's everything. Our friend Carol Roth joins us next. What's Elon Musk going to do? How is he going to push back against the poison pill? Stick with us. Almost every day we hear about another major corporation that's gone woke, tormenting their employees with progressive propaganda and funding organizations that seem to hate the country and values and free speech and rights and the Constitution. So this is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile. It's America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers, so you get the same great service, plus you get the peace of mind that your money is supporting free speech, life, and liberty. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and they're 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer service. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations that fight for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, our veterans, and first responder heroes. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Dana. Veterans and first responders save even more, so make that switch today. Support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT today. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show.
be crystal clear. The President will not raise taxes for anyone making under $400,000. The Congressional Republican plan, however, as Senator Rick Scott outlined, couldn't be more different. Republicans on Capitol Hill are more than happy to pass a nearly $2 trillion tax giveaway to the wealthy and big corporations uh, under the previous, they were under the previous administration. But now, led by Senator Scott, Republicans want to raise taxes on the middle class. With one independent analysis showing their plan would hike taxes by an average of around $1,500 each year. This is hurting me. That hurts me to just play that uninterrupted. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable Daria here with you, Dana Lash. Joining me right now, I cannot wait to get her take on this. My good friend, the amazing, the beautiful Carol Roth, recovering investment banker, as she describes herself. And she's author of a fabulous book, The War on Small Business, which is a must read, available at HarperCollins. I always say buy from like HarperCollins or Barnes & Noble because they weight those higher on bestseller lists. Uh, great book. You got to read it. I got to, Carol, first off, I know how you feel about <laughs> what Saki said, but just, you know, for maybe the people watching us, you know, those tax giveaways that all the wealthy people are getting. Talk to us about this because I enjoyed my Trump tax cut. I'd like to keep it. I don't want what Biden's offering. Yeah, the interesting thing about taxing is you tax something when you want less of it. You repeal taxes when you want more of it. So when you want more prosperity, you repeal taxes. And that's what happened with the Tax Cut and, uh, cut and Jobs Act. Say that 10 times fast. Mm. Um, what people, you know, kind of in the media, the talking points have gotten away from was the fact that, quote unquote, revenue, and I hate using that word, but that's what the government calls it, the tax collections, actually increased the year after they cut taxes. So it wasn't that we have a tax collection issue. It was the fact that they ended up spending even more, which increased the deficit. So this idea that letting people keep the money that they earn and put it to work more productively as stewards of their own capital versus giving it over to the government and expecting that you know dysfunctional clown show to be able to be an efficient steward of capital is really what we're talking about here. And we've seen the numbers, it's proven out. Um, but unfortunately, the talking points never really align with that. And by the way, Dana, as I was listening to that piece, the idea that we're not going to tax anybody who doesn't make $400,000 a year. Oh, by the way, I don't know what inflation is. I think inflation is a big tax. And yeah. oh, by the way, why are, why are you hiring 87,000 IRS agents? It's not for the couple hundred billionaires. It's because they're coming after you. That's a great point. We're talking to Carol Roth. Uh, and this story, I saw the story of Wall Street Journal where they were saying that even if you did, it made like $600, like on a side gig online, then you better, you better pay your, do your 1099 on that or the IRS is going to come after you, which again, I was told, Carol, we were all told from the administration <laughs> that they were only going after the super rich people. If you're making 600 bucks on a side gig online, that doesn't sound like, you know, that doesn't sound like uh, Bill Gates money. No, in fact, I have an op-ed on this that has been held by a major outlet for a long time, and I'm going to have to go say, put it out there. Uh, but this came out of the American Rescue Plan. This was Biden last March put this into effect. It used to be if you sold on Etsy or eBay or you did a PayPal transaction, whatever it was, that the threshold was $20,000 or I think it was mm -hmm. 200 transactions, something that would actually simulate a business um, to ensure that you got this 1099K that was reported to the IRS to make sure you were reporting and right. paying your taxes because you have to. 
now that threshold with the American Rescue Plan, as you said, has been lowered to $600. So even if you don't owe money, let's say it's something that you've you know, traded and sold at a loss and your accountant says you don't actually owe any money on it, it still triggers that reporting, which means you may get audited and you have to keep all of your paperwork in order to defend that extra $600, which is just disgusting. This is not about going after the wealthy. This is firmly about going after you and distracting you with all of this wealthy talk. Because we know we just lived through the biggest transfer of wealth from Main Street to Wall Street. The, the people who are wealthy and well-connected are not the ones that ever pay when they say they're going after them. And this is a great transition, talking to our friend Carol Roth, about the people getting involved in this Twitter fight. And I've been telling people <laughs> who listen, we're in hundreds of different markets, and there's millions of people who listen every day. And then if we have the simulcast here, where everyone can see the lovely Carol Roth, that even if you don't have a Twitter account, even if you're not active on Twitter, this still affects you because we're in a weird space. It's the public square. And I'm a free speech purist, and I'm pretty hands-off when it comes to government. But at the same time, I also don't like governments acting like agents of the state, and I don't like them acting as like puppets for uh, oligarchs and people like, uh, you know, BlackRock and, you know, Vanguard and all this other stuff. I was looking at the biggest shareholders of Twitter, and I actually didn't know this until all this happened last week. You you really have like two people and the rest are financial institutions. That shocked me. I was and I feel embarrassed about it. I was I had no idea that that's who owned Twitter. So this fight that Elon Musk is having with the board has broken a lot of stuff out in the open. Uh, He made this move and Twitter, I guess, is getting their buyers group together. Talk to us a little bit about this, because this is this is going to have this is I think is going to redefine some stuff. Yeah, it's it's uh, as somebody who is um, you know very well tied to the markets has been following them you know, basically my entire life. I'm really glad that more people are getting interested in these things because it's important. This is economic freedom, and you should understand. And the reality is, the top three asset managers: BlackRock, who has ten trillion in assets under management; Vanguard. Trillion around $8 trillion in State Street, they end up being the top shareholder in pretty much every public company, at least one of those, sometimes multiple of those, just because of the number of ass- the amount of assets that they have under management. And I don't think people really understood this. So when you say, oh, we don't want Elon Musk, you know, a billionaire controlling this, my retort was like, wait till you find out about now their number one shareholder, Vanguard, you know, and they're $8 trillion in assets under management. Um, so, you know, this is an interesting issue with Elon Musk because there are people who are really focused on the product and the free speech side, Mm. but there's a whole separate side, which is the market, the board responsibility, the fiduciary duty to shareholders and the business model side of Twitter. And those have kind of split apart. And it kind of seems like this is more about a battle um, you know, for free speech, for protecting some semblance of digital rights, which have been just completely obliterated. And, you know, that's what people are focused on and kind of gotten away from the fact that this is a stock that hasn't gone anywhere um, pretty much since it was it went public in 2013 at the same time when the S&P 500 has, you know, gone up more than three times. Facebook has gone up 4.6 times. I mean, they have not been able to That's really figure point. out. A, 
yeah, they haven't been able to figure out the, the business model. So the valuation, the reason why the valuation is so low is because they haven't been able to figure out the business model. It's not about free speech. And all these issues are kind of getting conflated right now. The 43 billion, I think, wasn't that the wasn't that the, the what it was valued at? And I think what is, some of the one Saudi prince or whatever was trying to lecture <laughs> Elon Musk about that. I kept thinking 40. There's no way Twitter's worth that much. That seems way too high. That seems way too high. So that's with his premium. So based based on before he took his stake, because his stake gave it a bump, and if right. he wasn't involved, it would fall back down. It's about a 38% premium to where the stock was trading before that. So that is a nice, um, you know, kind of gift to shareholders. Something that you would really want to consider seriously, even this, though the stock has been higher when everything was higher, you know, kind of 14 months ago. Um, given the period we've gone in, and based on the financial metrics, metrics. Again, they do about $5 billion in revenue and they don't make a profit. Their operating margin is tiny compared again to a Facebook that has like yeah. a, I think it's like a 40% operating margin. So, you know, they haven't been able to suss out the business model to create the value. Yeah, what he's offering is really um, a price that if you are a, a board member has a fiduciary duty to shareholders, looking at the prospects for the company and what they have and haven't been able to do and that price, you would have to seriously consider that. Yeah, you, ab- yeah, you would. Uh, talking with Carol Roth here. And that's what they're being accused of not doing. Because I heard Ron DeSantis just a little bit ago, we had some audio, <laughs> came across some audio where he's saying they're going to look at, you know, what their 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 obligation to their shareholders is is it's almost to me and i i I know enough to be dangerous when talking about this stuff (laughs) everybody does (laughs) i mean it almost looks like they're wanting to self-destruct rather than honor their obligation to their shareholders i that's kind of how i'm looking at that is that what we're seeing play out as a as their way to kind of thwart musk yeah so it's it's hard you know without having the sort of inside intel um, but you know, I in my recovering investment banker days, one thing that I would do is write something called a fairness opinion, and that is if you have a buyer um, of a particular company, both on the side of the company and the side of the buyer, you might have to write an opinion to say, is this a fair value for the company? And this would be a very easy fairness opinion to write. Sometimes you have to really kind of stretch to go, yeah, yeah. is this fair? So this would does seem fair. Now they may come back and say, well. Maybe he doesn't have the funding secured or, you know, some some other reason. But just from the outside looking in, it really does seem like it's about power and control and not about the fiduciary duty. And last, again, we may not know. There's been some, um, you know, kind of rumors out in the market that there are maybe some now some other folks who are interested, maybe a white knight that will come in. But again, based on the financial metrics, they're talking about these financial firms. There's no way that the financial metrics would support a financial type buyer buying this out. You have to either have a really, really solid plan or have some other reason why you want to own Twitter to be able to buy it out at this kind of evaluation. There's a lot that is coming out of this that has been drawn out into the into the public eye and the battle over the privately owned and administered public square and <laughs> the machinations of all these players i mean this has been if 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 musk doesn't succeed at anything else this was a big victory i think to open everybody's eyes to that of course i think we'd all like to see you know twitter just you know people just let people speak and meet free speech with more free speech but I, I have. Well, I'll do you one up on that. I would like to see them and all of the other big tech companies sign on to a digital bill of rights 
I mean, the reality of the situation is that it used to be we were an agrarian society and it was about owning land and you would have those rights protected by the government. Now we're in this sort of technocracy and we have these accounts and these phones and we don't actually really own anything. And so I think there needs to be more focus on property rights and individual rights and digital rights. And we don't need the government to do it. We just need a consortium of these tech companies to come in and to be fair and to apply those rules and those principles fairly. Technocracy. I think that's the title of your next book, Carol. It should be. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. I mean, I'm not saying I'd buy a, a ton of copies, but I probably buy a ton of copies. That's a. That's a. That's, it, it's play. It's playing around in here already, Dana. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let me know because I I want a galley. I want to read it. Carol Roth. Always so good to have you on, my friend. Thank you so much for your expert opinion on this and breaking it all down for us. Good to see you. My pleasure. Take care. We got more folks as we wrap up the second hour of Broadcast Technocracy. That's a that's it. That's it completely. Folks, how much control do you really have over your finances? So lately we've seen an all-out assault on freedoms and liberties by the government. Mask mandates, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, everybody trying to limit whether or not you can even go to a grocery store or restaurant. And we've seen how quickly the government can infringe on your personal freedoms, and they do the same with your finances. This is why I believe in diversifying with gold. Gold is physical. Gold is tangible and gold is safe from government control and gives you true control over your wealth, control that isn't tied to government regulated financial markets. The folks at Legacy Precious Metals are the gold standard when it comes to investing in precious metals and their team of experts can counsel you on the best options for you and your family. Take control of your financial situation and call Legacy Precious Metals at 866-580-2088 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. I am living to tell you the story right now. So a Florida man, was he was wanted. He had a warrant out for his arrest. He was wanted for domestic battery and stalking. He got apprehended on Sunday. He was apprehended on Sunday. He passed out in an attic from the heat after hiding from hiding from law enforcement. On Easter Sunday, Officer Gonzalez was patrolling, and they spotted 34-year-old Logan Wilson sitting on the front porch of a house. He had multiple felony warrants out of Marion County for violation of parole for domestic battery and aggravated stalking. When Wilson saw the officer, he ran into the house. Now, the police officers in this Florida area were aware that Wilson was a violent offender and recently made threats that were concerning. So Officer Gonzalez called for backup, set up an initial perimeter around the house. There were visual cues on property that gave a warning there may be weapons inside. Uh, Officer Blanton, a crisis negotiator, responded to the scene, attempted to communicate with Wilson using a cell phone as well as a speaker system. They were trying to uh, get have him give up peacefully. And come out of the house. Wilson's mother told police there were no weapons except for airsoft. They were trying to reason with him. They had to use chemical agents, all kinds of stuff to get him out. They had SWAT team began to search the house. They found him hiding between two rafter beams underneath insulation. He did not respond to commands because he had done passed out from heat exhaustion. He was unconscious. So they had to carry him outside so medical assistance could be rendered. 
When he became conscious, guess what? He became combative with the police. He was successfully restrained and transported to hospital for medical treatment. He's in Marion County Jail. He passed out from heat exhaustion. Uh, Let's see. There's a lot of reasons that people are late for work, and I think you just need to be honest about it. Unlike this TSA officer in Florida who faked a burglary report to excuse her lateness to work. A Florida woman was officer at Tampa International Airport. She was arrested after she faked a burglary report to avoid getting in trouble at work. So the 34-year-old Talita Collier, she is got busted for criminal use of a personal ID, uttering a uttering a false document that's like literally a charge, and because she created this fake police report, she had, it was excessively tardy to her job. So detectives got contacted. They were contacted by Assistant Federal Security Director of Law Enforcement with Federal Air Marshal. Blah blah blah. They said she faked this Pasco County report, and she said she was uh, uh, somebody tried to burglarize her her parents' vehicle, and uh, she told her supervisor she drew her agency-issued weapon and pointed it at the suspect, causing him to flee. And uh, she got busted. Her story didn't add up, and she made a couple mistakes in telling it, so she got she got busted big time. That's what happens. Don't lie. Don't be excessively tardy. we got a lot more on the way. Don't miss a single bit of the show. Third hour coming up. The left loses its mind when Elon Musk tries to buy all of Twitter. The FBI had the Brooklyn subway shooter on its radar and stopped watching him. And Joy Behar of The View thinks the Supreme Court passes legislation. I'm Greg Corumbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day for conservatives, and hopefully a lot of laughs too. Join us. Follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. No, people don't want to play in the gutter. Most people don't want to send out their kids to play in the gutter. Twitter's tried to clean it up somewhat. Still, mm. still got mm-hmm. still a lot of complaints from a lot of people about how Twitter does that. And I think if you're if you're a random user that gets suspended for no good reason, you feel that, and that's a big deal, and that's a big problem. But the argument that make Twitter more chaotic yep. would seem to be a losing argument from an investor. Can't have that dirty free speech, says Mash Taters. Can't have that being the gutter like playing in the gutter having that free speech it's like being up in the gutter Kane. that's brian stelter over at cnn be i i hear his days there are actually numbered do you think that speculation's true would make sense i mean he can't possibly be bringing in any ratings nobody watches them and he gets destroyed online every day I, so i don't know i literally do not watch his show except when crazy clips come up that's the only time i ever like have anything to do with it and he was recently owned in Chicago by just, uh, what, just some graduate I, students? Yeah, yeah, like, it's true. True. Yeah. So welcome back to the show. It is uh, your lovable hostess. I'm your lovable hostess, Dana Lash, here with you. And, of course, the he was what Brian Stelter was talking about was, of, was, of course, Twitter and everything else. We seem to be having a very interesting discussion about free speech. And I say it's an interesting discussion because we here on this program... We recognize and acknowledge free speech. I love free speech. I make my living off free speech. But it seems like there are people on the left who just don't know what it is. They don't recognize it. They don't actually know what the free speech, what it is and what that means. And I don't, I mean, there's a great example that we just played for you. 
allowing free speech on what Brian Stelter means. He's not talking about allowing free speech on Twitter. He's talking about allowing speech that he dislikes from people who don't agree with him. And and people nowadays used to you would make a determination as to whether or not you liked somebody based on if they were a nice person or if you got along with them. Well, you could talk to them easily. You had things in common. That's you. That's in the days of yore. That is how people developed associations and acquaintance acquaintances and things of that nature. Now, all of that is determined by what are your politics? And it's kind of annoying. Now, granted, I do have a difficulty in getting along with people who think I should be disarmed and left to be pillaged along with other women and innocent men by criminals. That I do have a problem with. I have a problem with people who think that I'm a horrible, murderous person because I was vaccinated by nature where it concerns the coronavirus because I got it and I didn't get the jab. I kind of have a problem with those people. Like I've never, I've never rescinded my involvement in a relationship or a friendship based on politics. But every single friend I've lost has absolutely done that. It has absolutely been because of politics. And what Brian Stelter is speaking to here drives it. It's not considered free speech if it's speech that I disagree with. It's not considered, it's in plain in the gutter unless it's something I disagree with or like. Free speech was designed to protect the people that you actually hate. And ideas that you maybe don't like yourself. But it's free speech. The people who think that the determination of what is or isn't free is whether or not you agree with them politically do not have the right, nor should they even think of ascending to such a catbird seat to throw down the definition of what is free speech or what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed. And Stelter and, you know, the people there at CNN are some of the worst offenders of it. I mean, that's, that is, it's just wild. It's wild to me. And like the um, whole situation, like I said, like with the libs of TikTok and the stuff that's on, the stuff that's on uh, uh, Twitter and the, I, I was joking, I retweeted a friend of mine, you're not supposed to take all the crazy, insane things that we're saying on the open public internet and put them all in one place. That's propaganda and misinformation. It's exactly what that account did. But people are targeting it because we just don't like you showing what our kids see, what your kids see on TikTok. See, parents aren't supposed to go on TikTok. I mean, they, they can. I don't know any. I'm not on TikTok. You know why? Because I'm a grown ass woman. That's why I'm not. I'm not on TikTok because I'm grown. I'm grown folks. That's why. I mean, I get everyone's like, you need to be on, t- on TikTok. No, I don't. I don't need that, that communist Chinese created app that steals your information. And out of spite, I, don't, I will not create an account. Out of spite. No. But I know a lot of kids are on it. My kids don't have it. I know a lot of kids are on it. This is the stuff that's being put by these, by these adults on Twitter. It's, it's, what do you, Kane, what do you call it? What's another word for 
constantly trying to persuade somebody of your ideas on uh, uh, sexual intercourse when they're very young. Yeah, it's a, it's apparently a system. They call it grooming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How dare you use, how dare you call people groomers, say everyone who spent the last four years calling people Nazis. How dare you call people groomers, say all of the people who were hitting others just because they were wearing a red hat. Yeah, I don't think so. Y'all don't get no high ground here. No high ground here at all whatsoever. Now, I wanted to, on the mask ruling, I just saw this video. What is what is this I'm seeing? Apparently, they've been announcing them on planes. People are actually, um, that I watched a video of a, a, a flight attendant who broke down in tears after she took her mask off because she said it was the first time in two years that she was able to like work without her face covered. That's wild. That's just, that's just, you know what? You know, I just, if, if people are worried about not having masks on planes, just create your own airline, right? Create your own airline. Just create your own, you know, build your own uh, airline, build your own Delta or something, right? I mean, it's just, we're going to do this for two weeks to slow the spread, Kane. Yeah. We'll see how it goes from there, right? Two years later. <laughs> two years later. Just saying. Let's just have, I watch, I'm watching all these people. You know, uh, Jeffrey Tubin, the guy who, uh, I, wait, I, people need to know him. <laughs> you guys remember Jeffrey Tubin? If if anyone ever asks you if you want to go tubing, always ask for a clarification. Wait, what are you? In case you are unaware, Jeffrey Tubin is a guy who I'm just going to just come right out with it because we got I'm on a time I got you know I'm on a schedule here. Jeffrey Tubin is a guy, he, he's known for two things, screwing his best friend's uh, young daughter, getting her pregnant, and then telling her to have an abortion and having to be dragged to court to take uh, responsibility for the child that he helped create. And he also got caught on a Zoom call having some him time. <laughs> like, who does that? Who sits in front of their comp- Who does that on a Zoom call? Oh, before I get on this Zoom call, I'm just going to... Like, he could, just couldn't control it. He, caught, he got caught tubing it. Anyway, so he tweeted this, quote, The decision by the young Trump... Mm, young Trump appointed... I just added that part. Appointed federal judge ending the... <laughs> Let me start over. This is what he tweeted. The, the decision by the young Trump appointed federal judge ending the mask mandate in travel... Shows the federal judiciary's turned into the Senate. What? What? Yeah, you would notice that she's young, wouldn't you, Tubin? I'm just saying. I am so going to tweet that. I hope he blocks me. Block me, you coward. I want to be blocked. I want to be blocked by you. Uh, so I wrote about this yesterday. If you get the newsletter, which you should, chapter and verse over at Substack. Because the the judge... She was a, she had trial experience, Catherine Kimball Mazell. She was a clerk for Clarence Thomas. She had a 56-page summary judgment. 
She said that the CDC, there's two things. They lacked the statutory authority to do what they were doing with the mask mandate. And then also that the mandate failed to follow what's known as the APA, the Administrative Procedure Act. Interestingly enough, on page 24, she also cited how it was very, she blasted the CDC, noting that uh, the, the logical inconsistency of the CDC giving the all clear at the entry at the border of, of non-citizens, but not applying that same allowance on public transit. And she went after the CDC as it related to the cruise ship, you know, et cetera. The CDC has statu- has some statutory authority to, as it relates to like Title 42 and that at the border. But what they don't have the authority to do is to direct where and how and what's on their face, American citizens in our own country. So she was correct on that. They know it. And there's the Biden administration. If They would be so stupid to contest this. Because so many people think this is so dumb. Did you see all the video of all the people cheering? Yeah. And so this, listen, I, I, Kane, I need you to, oh my gosh, I've got so much audio. I need you to play this because it's like they are trying so hard to straw horse, straw man, uh, some kind of non-existent concern here. Listen to this. This is Kelly O'Donnell at NBC. She's like, people are going to get violent, aren't they? No, no one is. Not like you mask Karens did. Listen. Uh, Back on the mask issue, as the debate is going on about next steps, is there any concern in the White House that this issue, now that there are some Americans who are aware of this ruling by the Florida judge, that it could prompt some of the tensions we've seen on airplanes in recent months until there's a resolution. Yeah, uh, Kelly, it's a great question. Obviously, what we're trying to do, what we would encourage... Hey, nobody did that. Nobody did that. that Nobody did it. No, only the mask Karens were people who did this. So, we have headlines coming up. Uh, We are also going to... We're keeping an eye on Twitter and everything else. So, we'll make sure that we keep... Oh, Media Matters is really mad over the Tale of the Runs thing. I'm here for this. I'm here to do my Guy Fieri dumping gas on the flames. My meme. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So first up, I'm going to pull this up here. Uh, The United States is going to pledge $600 million to combat global environmental threats. (laughs) It's uh, a... Released by the U.S. Department of State and U.S. Department of Treasury. And they said that uh, the United States has pledged $600 million over the next four years to support the eighth replenishment of the Global Environment Facility. It's the largest pledge ever, and it aligns with continuing priorities. The hell? What priority do I have? What? What is my money? That's my money! Blah, blah, blah. We've pledged $5 billion to support blah, blah, blah. That's what the rest of it says. It's my money. Um, I'm really feeling like a Rihanna song right now. One in particular. Just gonna say. Just gonna say. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Moving on here. I I don't know what to do with this headline. Jack Dorsey slam. I don't know what to do. Jack Dorsey slams Brian Stelter and says that CNN tries to create conflict. What? Stelter had tweeted, quote, Tucker Carlson is always selling the same thing. He's selling doubt. Jack replied, and you all are selling hope? 
Oh my gosh. I don't... What is happening? Am I... And someone goes, you're defending Tucker Carlson. And Jack responded, quote, not defending a thing, holding up a mirror. And then one of the... uh, Another reporter said, CNN sometimes sells false news. I know from covering Iraq, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I know this from being on the streets in Ferguson during the protest and watching them try to create conflict and film it, causing the protesters to chant blank CNN. Oh my gosh. I think more people, I am never, I am on the verge of saying I'm never going to make fun of his yurt again. I don't, Kane, what's happening? I don't, dude, we are in a brave new world and I don't, are we becoming friends? I just don't even know. What? I don't even know what else to do. I have other headlines here and I don't even care. I don't even care, Kane. What am I going to do? I just want to talk about this for the rest of the time. Uh, All right. I got a couple more things here. Uh, before we get going. Uh, Also, additionally, uh, more Democrat Senate hopefuls are splitting with Biden on the border. 58% worry, according to a new study, that their life choices could end up sending them to hell. Do you work for CNN? That's a life choice. (laughs) Coming up, Adam Laxalt out of Nevada joins us because Nevada, well, Democrats aren't leading there. Woo, stick with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. I've obtained a CBP record through a Freedom of Information Act request, which reveals that last year there were 23 known or suspected terrorists who were encountered here at our southern border. Take a look at this graphic right here, and we'll dive into the numbers for you. What you're looking at are hits on the TSDB. That is the Terrorist Screening Database, which is maintained by the FBI. Yeah, uh, that's kind of a, a consequence of not knowing who's coming into the border. You're not able to confirm. You, you, you don't you don't have the knowledge about who's coming in from what and what's their record, et cetera, et cetera. This has been a huge criticism, not just of border states, but growingly every state. Welcome back to the program. Your hostess here, Dana Lash, with you, coast to coast. Joining me now, uh, a friend of mine. And I've had the pleasure of being out there with him in Nevada. Uh, had, a, had a lot of fun out there in Nevada. Beautiful, beautiful state. He is the former AG of Nevada. He's also a retired naval officer and an Iraq veteran. He also advised during the Trump administration. And he was there when all the questions with voting were circling and People were pointing out the inaccuracies and everything else. Adam Laxalt from the beautiful state of Nevada, sir. Good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I'm bring, I, you were the first person that I wanted to bring on because I was list, I've been listening to stuff, uh, criticisms about the way the administration's handling the border. And then a really interesting story, two back-to-back stories. I was reading about what's happening in Nevada. This is a state that was red, then it went blue, and now it looks like the pendulum is swinging back the other way towards common sense, towards red again. The numbers coming out of Nevada. This is one of the most hotly contested, because I need to add, too, that Mr. Laxalt is also a Senate candidate, uh, and I think he's really the only choice uh, that people need to go with. But Nevada, the numbers are coming out. I don't know how Democrats are are going to survive, not just in Nevada, but in midterms as well. We could very well be on our way to taking back Congress. I wanted to get your thoughts on what is what do you attribute to this massive change in your state now? Yeah, look, there's no question there's an absolute earthquake happening in our state. And uh, of all of all publications, the New Yorker magazine uh, wrote this piece last night 
uh, that dovetail in the Washington Post, the New York Times, meet the press this weekend, that there is an unbelievable shift happening on the ground here. And as I like to say, it shouldn't surprise anyone. My opponent, Catherine Cortez Masto, has been a reliable leftist vote. She stood with these open border policies that have devastated our state, increased human trafficking, drug trafficking. Uh, they, they've obviously just hurt our communities in general. We we know that that uh, crime has gone up. Her support of the BLM movement and the George Floyd national uh, bills out of Congress. All these things are repelling voters. And most specifically, the Hispanic community has woken up and said, all these lies the Democrat Party have been telling us the last few years, they're just simply not true. And they know they want a piece of the American dream here. They want safe communities. They want kids to be able to be free and go to their schools and not be locked down. Uh, so they got such a heavy dose of leftism over the last few years. In the poll that had us up three and another poll that had us up seven in the last two weeks, we were 50-50 with Hispanics. And so to give your, your viewers and listeners an idea of that, you go back to 2012, someone like Mitt Romney was getting 25%. Trump brought it to 40 in 2020. And here we are looking at a potential 50-50 split. And, uh, and, and it is making a huge difference on our ability to transform the state back to the right. Uh, to your point, we're talking to Adam Laxalt, Senate candidate out of Nevada, also former attorney general. To your point, a piece from The Hill getting into how Hispanics have been abandoning not just the Biden administration, Democrats in droves over the past couple of years. 538 has his, I mean, Biden's in the red with Hispanics. Only 12% of Hispanics approve strongly of Biden's performance. This this also, his coattails factor into what's happening into Nevada. You mentioned your opponent as well. I was looking at her position on Title 42, I think the only other person that has flipped on Title 42 as much as she has is Beta O'Rourke, who's, I guess, our version of Cortez Masto down here in Texas. Uh, I think that those two are kind of neck and neck for waffling on Title 42. I don't even know actually what her latest position is. It could change, he, could change with the wind. It is just shameless because she has been with the open borders left for the last few years mm -hmm. when our state needed her to stand against these crazy policies. And it's kind of like what's happened with COVID and the mask mandates. You know, the science didn't change on the border. The politics <laughs> changed. Right. And so she woke up and she said, dear God, I'm hemorrhaging voters. No one supports these policies to make our state less safe. So now suddenly she's concerned about Title 42. Well, let me tell you, Dana, she's on the record just a year ago saying that we have to get rid of it and that it's offensive. Uh, and all these things that you'd expect out of the left. And so it's a pure, craven political calculation. And we intend to make sure the voters understand that. I, I would add that she's up on Spanish language right now because she's sitting at 40% because her numbers are so bad. And she's just lying to voters. She's saying she's, you know, supports law enforcement, that she's been tough on human trafficking. And all these things, of course, are running away from her record. But it should tell people a lot, which is they know what these numbers look like. And she has no support in her and in, in, in the main communities that they used to just take for granted. Mm -hmm. Now they wake up. They understand that under Trump, guess what? Unemployment was an all time low. Wages were at a high. Communities were safe. We weren't at war. Uh, all these things have changed so dramatically. 
that I think that uh, it's it's a generational opportunity for us to win voters to the Republican Party. I love that you see that talking with Adam Laxalt, because I really feel like there are there are some Republicans who don't appreciate where we are with with demographics and and how more people, I think, than ever have been so overdosed on really lockdowns, masks, the statism of the left, the tyranny of the left, that they are fleeing to liberty in droves, liberty and common sense. And and I you know that people are in trouble on the left when they start trying to run as moderates. That's what I I find that fascinating. Now she this woman cannot run to the middle fast enough. But I'm just looking at all these receipts of all these things that she said, whether it's about uh, police, defunding police, uh, whether it's about gun control, Title 42, the border, masks, support of masks. I wanted to ask you about this, too, because, you know, Nevada's, you know, always been uh, a huge destination for travelers here in the United States and elsewhere. Masks now, now we don't have to wear them on planes anymore. A, A great, a great decision from this judge that's being attacked because she's 35 years old. I mean, she's a grown woman, but she's being attacked because she's only 35 years old. Uh, I wanted to get your because you've been you've been on the forefront of this as well. And you've been consistent on this. This is a good thing. We don't have to wear these things that have no scientific proof of containing this virus. Yeah, look, I mean, my, my main question is what took so long? Uh, there's no question that Congress never delegated this authority for the CDC to do mask mandates all these years. If Congress wanted to do this, they needed to go pass a bill. Uh, Obviously there wouldn't have been support, but uh, you know, when you see people cheering in airplanes and people super excited, it tells you everything. And in my state, you know, I I went on Tucker Carlson the night Mm -hmm. that our governor uh, lifted these mask mandates. And it was a great opportunity to point out that the every single county was still in the red on transmission. There was more transmission that day than when masks were put in. They lifted it for one reason. The people were fed up and the politics changed. And so Masto, my opponent, dutifully said, well, it looks like the science is better now and I support lifting these mandates. And they just lie. I don't know what else to say. They say whatever it takes to stay on the right side of these issues. Uh, but again, the liberty movement that you're talking about is so massive. You know, even age 18 to 39 in a Las Vegas hole showed that it was under 30% for Catherine Cortez Masto. And and look, we don't know exactly why, but we can guess. They, they saw the last few years and said, what in the world is going on? Why are these people telling us how to live our lives? This is what people like you and I, Dana, have been talking about for a long time. We are the Liberty Party. And the Democrats, in some respect, have done us a favor by giving such a heavy dosage of this radical leftism and government control intrusion in our lives. You know, we get to just point now and say, if you give these people more power, more control, you're just going to get more of this. If it's not COVID today, it's going to be something else tomorrow. And so I think, again, we need to be on offense. We can't take it for granted. We need to highlight these differences between the left and our conservative values, this is a chance with this election, not only for me to win, but for there to be a generational shift among voters that hopefully you can win hearts and minds for, for, for the coming generation. I see you're talking with Adam Laxalt. I see you leading in a Suffolk USA Today poll, blueprint polling, NRSC poll. Uh, I'm looking at, oh, goodness, WPAI. Then I was looking at uh, 538. I was also looking, I mean, I'm looking at a number of different polling and including uh, uh, aggregate uh, polling from the past uh, couple of months as well. This is, as you said, 
people are they they want the government out of their lives they want to be a partner with the government on basic things the government is allowed to do you understand this the left is turning the younger generation into punk rockers who are going for freedom and and we're seeing that build up in Nevada. I saw this story. I told Kane, I'm like, we got to get Adam Laxalt on. I am so excited about what I'm seeing in Nevada. We were worried about Nevada for a little bit. I got to tell you, I was worried. But you've been doing a lot of really good groundwork there and Look, we, uh, a lot of outreach. And we've been on offense. We've been pointing these differences out. And you're right. We have six consecutive polls that have us ahead. Uh, fortunately, we're up 57 to 18 in our primary uh, which is in a handful of weeks now. We are focused on Catherine Cortez Masto because the reality is she's in so much trouble that Chuck Schumer just put in $23 million. She put in 10 for this fall. This is the swing Senate race. This is the race that will decide whether we have the majority. They know it. We know it. Uh, we'd obviously rather be us than her, uh, an incumbent sitting at too. 40%. <laughs> um, but we are going to stay on offense uh, and, and look, the, the, the bottom line is that people don't realize how close this state was yes. to begin with. Yes. Donald Trump only lost by two. They had to transform our elections 90 days out in order for that to be the result. And so this is a dead swing state. And in this kind of tsunami red environment, it's going to be our year. We're going to win Nevada. This is a race to watch. And now a lot of people are writing about this race too. Adam Laxalt, the website, adamlaxalt.com. Congrats on the lead. We're going to continue keeping our eyes on this. And we'd love to have you back and talk to you again. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Of course. Take care. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Little mini Rupert in there. Welcome back. Dana Lash here. You know that that's my Rudolph's mom, right? Did you know that came? Yeah. I know, right? You didn't know that? No. Minnie Ripperton, her her how many octaves she could get. I can't remember how many like she was legendary for that. And apparently, uh Mariah Carey in a previous interview had said that Minnie Ripperton was actually her inspiration and kind of you know, some of her earlier work. Very interesting. Indeed. Love that song, though. I mean, and her husband was the was the producer on it. Love the song. It's wonderfully produced. Welcome back to the show. Make sure you sign up to my newsletter over at Substack because I put out some good stuff for you on that. You can see the whole... I, I was real sassy when I wrote this headline. I don't even remember what I had it as. Oh, Taylor Lorenz is a garbage reporter. And citizens should start investigating propagandists masquerading as reporters. They really should. I'm just done. I'm done with this. I'm done with this nonsense. This is craziness. And so this, uh, the way that people are, are handling this and reacting to a simple Twitter account, this and and just the freak out over Elon Musk purchasing Twitter and oh my gosh the left when they don't get their way I really I keep seeing that you know privately people are saying that Lorenz is um they think she's out of control and she they don't like her, how she abuses her platform to where are you people saying anything on this right. have you I haven't seen any of you because I haven't seen nothing Jiminy Christmas. And I some of the hot takes from the media, I guess, you know, now it's, 
I guess now we can, if we, you know, just like some reporting, we citizens can do an investigative, investigative report on it. So what, can we go to their reporters' houses and ask questions? I'm just curious. Dems the rules. Dems the rules. Oh my gosh, I brought this up and I had a bunch of blue checks get mad at me. A bunch of them got mad at me. So I'm telling you, I was looking at their, uh, I, we, let's, you know what, let's ask the uh, Christina Passarello the technology editor over at WAPO on. We should have her on and ask her about their standards and practices for reporting on private people. We should. I think that would be, I think that would be helpful. Because who watches The Watchmen? That's the million dollar question. Our media is garbage. How dare you guys take all the stuff that we post and put it in one place? That's misinformation. Oh, my gosh. Just tell you what. Real quick, one last quick thing. Kane, you watched uh, the two episodes of Outer Range? Yeah. It's, it's, I did last night. It's uh, basically Yellowstone meets dark. It's great. And you loved it, right? Yeah. No, I mean, the way the each episode ended... Like to I'm me, freaking you know I mean? out like, over this last one. Are you oh, not? Cliffhangery oh! and stuff. Oh, man. I can't wait. When's the next episode come I think out? it's on the weekend. Is it this coming I weekend? I think so. It's I'm too not, far away. I know, right? Too How dare you guys didn't release them like this? We want to binge them all now. All right. Today in Stupidity, Kane. All right. it's You know, when people say that it's an insult when you call Brian Stelter a potato, I find him more lovable when I call him a potato. But here he is saying free speech is like being in the gutter. Right. No, people don't want to play in the gutter. Most people don't want to send out their kids to play in the gutter. It's where Curtis I am. trying to clean it up somewhat. Still, it's Brian still Stelter's gutter. How dare you get in his gutter? That's his gutter. It's, yeah, it's speech he doesn't like, so therefore it's the gutter. Everything. I, uh, well, it's better than everything I don't like is Hitler. Yeah. So they're they're improving, yeah. maybe. Are they though? Mm. Honestly, mm. I don't think so. Mm. It's I don't still know. stupid. Maybe not. It's maybe still not. stupid. Yeah. There you go. All right, folks. Make sure you go sign up. For the newsletter, because I've got all kinds of fun stuff. we got fun stuff coming at you. You don't want to miss it. And you can find that. It's at the on the link on all my social media profiles. Have a great evening. I will be back with you, ladies and gents, tomorrow.